Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. It really is great to be together. And um, uh, in a few moments, uh, we've, got some, we've got some food being served. And uh, so don't worry, I'm not going to be too long. But uh, one of the things that we've determined to do on the journey of Arena Church Nottingham is every week to just share a message. Uh, and we're just 12 weeks in. Uh, imagine what it's going to be like after 120 weeks because momentum builds um, something's being sewn into even the fabric of the building as we go on this journey of uh, a church uh, that reflects Arena Church emerging uh, in this part of Nottingham we thank God for that and uh, tonight I'm going to just share for a few moments the um, text I'm going to read in a few moments is not what we would call something from the Christmas story But I think the message is very much the Christmas story. So uh, here's the title of the message tonight. You'll forgive me for, oh, there we go. It's there as well. But the message is the great invitation. And uh, it may be that uh, even at this time of the year, you've you've been receiving some uh, invites from uh, maybe uh, work colleagues, friends, because you've been invited to a party. And uh, um, we, we all like those sorts of invites. Uh, just this last couple of weeks, my nephew uh, sent me an invite next year to a special day because he's getting married. And um, there'll be a, a celebratory feel to that day. And he's asked me to respond. And just just go down a, a little bit, Roland, on the sound, thanks. Yeah. Um, and um, so when we, when we get an invite, often there's a, there's a desire for people to respond. So I'm going to read a story uh, that'll go up on the screen uh, it's from the Message Bible of, uh, uh, um, that was written by a great pastor called Eugene Peterson. But it just gives a little flavour of Jesus. Uh, he's actually at a party and he begins to speak some lessons that I want to share for the next few moments. So Morgan, if we can go for it. This is from Luke, chap- uh, Luke chapter 14 and verses 15 to 24. There's a little bit of a back story to where we're starting and I'll go there in a moment. But it says in verse 15, that triggered a response from one of the guests. How fortunate the one who gets to eat in God's kingdom. Jesus said, yes, and he begins to tell a story. There was once a man who threw a great dinner party. You can book Christmas party there if it makes you feel better. And And when it was time for dinner, he sent out his servant to the invited guest saying, come in, the food is ready on the table. Then they all began to beg off. That means they began to make excuses. The first one says, I bought a piece of property and I need to look after it. Send my regrets. Another says, I've just brought five teams of oxen and I need to check them out. Send my regrets. And then another one says, I've just got married and I need to be at home with my wife. Send my regrets. The servant went back and told his master what had happened and the master was outraged and told his servant, quickly, get out of the city, into the city streets and alleys, collect all who need, who look like they need a square meal. I'm looking tonight, that's why you've come. And, uh, and, and all the misfits and the homeless and the wretched and anybody you can lay your hands on and bring them here to the party. And the servant reported, Master, I did what you commanded and there's still room. The master said, then go to the county roads, wherever you find them, drag them in. I want my house full. Let me tell you, not one of those originally invited is going to get so much as a bite at my 
dinner party. So here's Jesus speaking about a great invite to a party. It's set in an, you can tell that, it's set in an Eastern culture. So very briefly, let me just give you a little backdrop to what was taking place here. Firstly, in the verses previous to that in Luke 14, which we don't have time to read about, it says that Jesus was at the house of a top leader of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the ruling Jewish council of the day of Jesus. And so it had a strong Jewish context to it. And then uh, it begins to answer some questions about the Sabbath because he healed somebody on the Sabbath and whenever he did something on the Sabbath, it always raised questions in people. But he was basically saying, do you want me to do good on the Sabbath, whether it's the Sabbath day or not? So he speaks about that. Then uh, in Eastern culture, if you were invited to a party, it often would be not tables like this, but a long table starting from my right and going to my left. And for example, if Eleanor was the host of the party, she'd be at the top of the table and all the tables were down here. Now, what was happening was people were jostling for a chair and they wanted to be high up so that Eleanor, as the host of the party, would see them. And, and Jesus says, don't do that. He says, start at the bottom. Be prepared to sit right down here and let somebody invite you further up the table. And he began to speak of a kingdom principle. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. I was reading in the Old Testament the other week about the tall trees being toppled. And there are lots of people today that make big of themselves. God's able to chop them down in a moment. So that was the third thing. And then the fourth thing was, he began to talk to them about giving hospitality themselves. In other words, about throwing their own parties. And he said this, he said, be generous in how you invite people. Don't just invite people to the party that can pay you back. True generosity and true hospitality is inviting to be people to the party when you know that there's nothing in return. So all these things were taking place. And then he begins to tell us a story which I've just read out about the great invitation to the party. Now, this is what we call a parable. And in the good news books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus was often telling stories. He was a brilliant storyteller because he was a brilliant communicator. And he was telling parables. Now, parables are really earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. In other words, Jesus took everyday life and he applied a spiritual, eternal value to it. Now, we sometimes still have to work at that because the stories that he told were set in an Eastern cult culture, whereas we've got a Western mind. Um, so sometimes they still need a little explanation. But to the people he was trying to communicate to in that day, 2,000 years ago, they would really get what he was trying to say. You see, great teaching is making spiritual principles plain. Great teaching is not somebody sat, stood up here tonight talking like me and you going home saying, I didn't have a clue what that bloke was talking about. That is not good teaching. That is not good communication. And I have come across people at times that have taught the Bible and they're glad when they complicate it 
and they're glad when nobody understands what they're on about because they think that's good. That's not good, that's bad. That's bad. Good communication makes the Bible plain and Jesus was passionate about making the Bible or rather the words of the kingdom, the Bible of course not yet then framed, easy for people to understand. That's why it said in the Bible that the common people heard him gladly. That's why in the Christmas story, we've not only got the sophisticates from the East, the wise men, but we've got the working class blokes on the hillside, the shepherds, eking out a living. And Jesus is always, as Jonathan said earlier, across every strata of society. Students and grandparents, people on their own and people setting families, all different age groups. He loves every one of us. So the danger of a story that Jesus tells is that rather than just taking it for face value, we sometimes try and overinterpret what he's trying to say. But I think there's three or four things that we can safely say about the story tonight. Number one, um, the master of the banquet in terms of the invite was God. He's giving out an invite to all people. Number two, the banquet speaks of the kingdom of God, the rule of God. And the kingdom of God is full of colour and verve and blessing and dynamism. Number three, the initial invite speaks of his own people. As I said, it was a very Jewish context that he found himself in. And he says in John 1 and verse 11 that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. And that's still the, the issue today that the Jewish nation Generally, we understand there's people that love Jesus, but they still refuse to accept Jesus as Messiah, even all these years later. And number four, he widens the scope of the invite to go out and invite all the people. In Acts chapter 10, which is a book near the beginning of the New Testament, At that point, the good news of Jesus was still predominantly just touching the Jewish mindset. In Acts 10, there was a man called Cornelius, who we call a Gentile, like Hosea. And the gospel impacted his life and he broke open the gospel to all peoples of all times, in all lands and all situations. Jesus said, Go out and invite whoever you can get your hands on because I want my house to be full. And there's a sense where, you know, there are some people that, there are some Christians I've come across and the more that people don't like their church, they more they think that's good. I'm, I'm telling you. The more that people don't come to their church, they think that's good. But in Arena Nottingham, we have set our stall out to make the invite as wide as we possibly can. And I'll come to it in a moment, but we really do believe that all are welcome. We want this place to be so packed that we've got to do another service at another time because we can't get everybody in. We're not glad when people don't come. We pray even more that they will because God still wants his house to be full. God wants heaven to be filled with millions and millions and millions and millions of people that will worship him forever. So here's three little thoughts regarding the great invitation tonight. Number one, When Jesus sends out the invitation, he is inviting 
inclusively. There are still people, you may be one of them tonight, saying, I don't know really whether God loves me or not. I, I know he loves Jonathan and I know he loves Annie and, and uh, I, I know he loves Rob, but I don't know whether he loves me. I want to say tonight that God loves you. He loves you just as much as anybody else in the world. And he invites inclusively. Now, in this story, again, a little bit of the understanding of the Eastern value, because what would happen was the great invitation would go out regarding the day, but the person inviting people to the party would not give the time. And when they decided what time the party was going to start on the day, they would send their servant out, come on, we're ready, come to the party. And you saw what happens. The excuses began to arise. Again, in Eastern culture, for you initially to receive an invite and then to make an excuse and not go was a great insult. And so that was what was taking place. And here's the three excuses. I want to say that these three excuses crop up again and again and again and again. I've been doing ministry a long time and these three things have cropped up again and again and again for people to say no to the invite of knowing Jesus and of coming to the party of the kingdom. Number one, priority. Who comes first? Well, this guy says, I'm begging off. I've got my business to look after. Number two, novelty. <clears throat> I've got some oxen and I need to see if they're okay. Now, I never cease to be amazed at what people put before God in terms of importance in their life. Let me take you to Weymouth on the Dorset coast a few years ago. We're on holiday. Nice town. If you've anybody ever been to Weymouth? Yeah. No, he's from round there. Yeah, from Portland. Yeah. So anyway, and it's, uh, it's a Sunday afternoon and, uh, and we're off church. And, uh, and uh, so we're wandering around the town and uh, all of a sudden there was this kerfuffle and I'm sort of there. And we came across these p crowd of people that were racing small uh, speedboats. Now, when I say small, I mean model speedboats. Now, if you're into model speedboats and you race them, Please don't get me afterwards and have an argument with me. That's not the point. But there was people there with great big rosettes from Wales. There were people that had come from Scotland. There were people that had come down. I said to Sharon, these people have travelled from all over the country on a Sunday to race these little model boats around a little pond. Novelty. If I said to them, did you go to church this morning? Church! I'm racing me boat. What else do you think I want to do with my life? And the reality is today there's people crisscrossing the motorway for all sorts of different reasons. I'm not saying some of these things are wrong. I'm saying what's most important. And often people beg off the invite because there's something else that they're more interested in. Number three, family. God loves families. God's placed people in families. God's got a heart for family. But this guy says, I'm not coming to the party. I'm, I've got my wife to look after. And the reality is, again, I've seen it over the years where people, for some reason, have got wrapped up in a family relationship that stopped them saying no to the invite. Sad. 
But Jesus keeps inviting inclusively. Let me try and illustrate this. Next slide, Morgan. Because here's the 12 apostles that Jesus called, Matthew 10, 2. It's an illustration of the inclusive invite. Simon called Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip. Philip with one L. That means the Bible is inspired. Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. What an eclectic mix. What a bunch of people. We've got one there that denied Jesus. We've got James and John, the sons of thunder. We've got a tax collector. We've got some, Simon the Zealot was thought to be sort of a political activist. And we've got a, betray, a betrayer. Please, over the turkey sandwich, don't ask me the question, why did Jesus pick Judas Iscariot to be one of his 12? Because for 40 years after Bible college, I still don't know. Other than to say that perhaps every one of us at times, sadly in life, has to negotiate betrayal. And so did Jesus. So did Jesus. What a bunch. But he inclusively invited them to follow him. I want you to know that the leadership of Arena Church are continually wrestling with this question and we really want to mean it. All are welcome at our church. We want people to hear the good news. And here's this about the church of Jesus Christ that often gets a bad press. The church is continually inviting people to be part of it who are not yet part of it. There's, there's no other organisation in the world like the church that say, come and be part of the church. Come, in, come in and be part of what we are. And progressive, advancing churches have that spirit and that heart. The church, the local church, Arena Nottingham, will inevitably produce an eclectic mix of people. We'll have working class guys that are on the scaffolding. We'll have students that are really clever. We'll have mums and dads bringing their children. We'll have older people. We'll have younger people. There'll be all sorts of people. And Jesus says, all are welcome at the party. Not only inviting inclusively, but also shaping continually. I don't have time to develop this tonight, but if you will give your life to Jesus and make a decision, he's passionate about you becoming a disciple. And that takes time. That's a process. He doesn't want you to just scrape into heaven. He wants your life to reflect Jesus. You can come just as you are, but he loves you far too much to leave you just as you are. And next year, our prophetic word will be establishing. And we want people to be established in their faith. We want them to go deep. And here's some of the things that Jesus did when he was ministering to the disciples for three years. I'm just going to read them. And the Bible references are there. There was reproving, rebuking, teaching, chastising, repeating and restoring. All these things take place in our lives too because Jesus is shaping us and making us just like him. And if you'll commit to that journey, it will be absolutely amazing. You won't stay a baby Christian, you'll grow up to be an adult Christian. You'll need still to have a childlike faith, but you won't stay childish in the faith. Finally, as we respond to the great invitation, inviting inclusively, 
shaping continually, and thirdly, using amazingly. Because here we've got Peter, who just a few days before had denied Jesus three times, filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2.14, standing up with the 11, and that day, 3,000 people became Christians. And here's the promise. The promise is to you, that was the people Peter was talking to, to your children and to all who are afar off. Jesus, through his messenger Peter, looked into Arena Church 2,000 years from then and says the promise is to you as well. You know, if you'll give your life to Jesus, he can use you in an amazing way. And let me give a couple of examples as I close. A week last Saturday, one of the greatest evangelists of recent times passed away. He was a German man. His name was Reinhard Bonke. And an evangelist is somebody who God particularly raises up to tell people about Jesus and draw them to a decision. And Reinhard was a young boy when he gave his life to Jesus. He allowed Jesus to shape him continually and the Lord used him amazingly because it's recorded, not just as a guess, but through recorded statistics that Reinhard Bonnke's organisation, Christ for All Nations, through his ministry, particularly in Africa, won 77 million people to Jesus. And then what about the guy that got, became a Christian just around the corner here 150 years ago? He lived in Snenton, just across the road. His name was William Booth. Broad Street Methodist Church, no longer a church, just around the corner from where we live. In fact, we, we believe through archive that he actually preached in this building. But William Booth, coming from Stenton, still a tough, rough area today, just across the road there, he gave his life to Jesus at 14. He allowed the Lord to respond to the message, to shape him, and he became the founder of the Salvation Army, which from today literally is from Angola to Zimbabwe and all nations in between. A great apostolic worldwide movement from a son of Nottingham. If all those guys are 100, I'm at one. But I was born in Peel Street Hospital, just over there somewhere. I'm a Nottingham lad. My first home when I, my mum took me on was ice and green. The house has got flammed. It's where the Asda supermarket is now. And we moved sort of out towards the council estates where I grew up. St. Naldis, three brothers, three sisters. It was really quiet in our house at Christmas time, as you can imagine. And... Uh, in, <clears throat> And the reality was, as a kid, I gave my life to Jesus. I heard the invitation. Will you come to the party, Phil? And I've allowed Jesus, and he still is, shaping me to make me what he is. And in a very, very small way, I never cease to be amazed that he takes hold of this council house kid from Nottingham and gives me the privilege tonight to be the communicator to this meeting. I tell you, if you will give all of your life to Jesus, it's amazing what he can do with you. This week, it may be that you're planning to go to a party or two. It may be that you've got to walk away from one or two of them when they start getting a bit frisky, but you, you're going to have to make that decision. Um, it may be that you've got a, an invite in your handbag, your pop back pocket, your wallet. It may be, shall we go? Uh, 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 uh. You may be thinking about begging off. Well, maybe the insult wouldn't be as great as an Eastern culture. But tonight, more than all of that, go home. And if you get a chance, read Luke 14 again this Christmas season and talk and think and listen 
to the great invitation that sits over every person's life here. Jesus is inviting inclusively. I know it's a cliche, but if you were the only person that had needed saving, he'd have sent Jesus. That's how much he loves you. Jesus is shaping continually. Bring your doubts, bring your cynicism, bring your questions, bring your failures, and let Jesus continue to mould you to be more and more like him. I wonder if we've got some people in the room tonight, young people, students, people on a journey, who then Jesus can use amazingly. I wonder if we've got some, to quote Jonathan and Annie in their youth ministry, world changers. That's not hype, that's a statement of faith. And we want to believe that from Arena Nottingham going forward, we will literally have some people that have a global influence for the cause of the good news of Jesus. On the bottom of the invite, often RSVP. Respond, I say we play. Please give a response.